Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. I'm glad you're here with me today, joining me for episode 18 of the Liberty Cafe. And I'm pleased also to announce today that the Liberty Cafe is now being sponsored by Texas Scorecard and Scorecard Media. Don't worry, for those of you out there who are afraid that I might be compromised by big corporate media, it's not going to happen. In fact, I'm pleased to join with a group that has been in the forefront of taking the truth to the public about politics and religion. Today... I'd like to talk about the 2020 election. It's not that far away, and there's a lot going on as we lead up to it. And I want to talk to folks about voting for President Trump. So in 2016, I announced that I was not going to vote for President Trump. And when I did that, I wrote that I am comfortable with the decision to support and vote for Trump by those who believe that there is at least a possibility that our country will be better off with Donald as president. Because with Hillary, we know what we will get, and it won't be good. However, this is not a position we should attempt to impose on the consciousness of others. The deliberation of both conservatives and Christians over who to vote for should be informed by a broader perspective than the Clinton or Trump paradigm the political and religious moderate elite want to trap us in. Of course, with or without my vote, Trump became president in 2017. But after watching him in office, in 2018, I posted that I was going to vote for the president in 2020. Now, some things have changed since then. Trump has done some things that I just disagree with and wish he hadn't have done. I think some things are, are just not good for us. But in a recent conversation with a friend, he talked about how he was tired of supporting big government Republican candidates who want to increase the size and scope of government, but simply just want to do it on a timeline that's about five years behind what the Democrats are doing. And you know what? I get that. And I have pledged that I will never again vote for a Bush or a Dole or a McCain or a Romney. But my goal today is to convince my Christian and conservative friends that a vote for Trump is very different than a vote for these other men. I want to start off my efforts here with just a quick look at the state of America today. The state of things today, if we just look at it from a worldly perspective, are not very good. We don't know where God is taking us and how God is using the United States today, but just on the outside, there are a lot of problems. For instance, we murder over one million of our children every year trailing only China, Russia, and Vietnam. America is rapidly moving to replace God with government as the supreme authority in the land. We see examples of that all over the place. For instance, we have outlawed Jesus Christ in the public square in many instances, like public schools. It is illegal in the United States of America in public schools to teach Jesus Christ as Lord. You just can't do it. And of course, the results of that are not surprising. We have seen generation after generation rise up who do not know the Lord or the work that he has done for us. 
We've done it in the areas of commerce. If you don't bake a cake for a certain person or hire a certain person or provide some service to certain people, in many states, the government will come after you. And of course, even in those areas where Christ is not illegal, today's cancel cut culture may mean that proclaiming Christ will result in efforts to destroy your life or career. Andrew McCarthy at the National Review Online just wrote a piece about how the left is now trying to redefine the term incitement to put criminal liability on those who say something that offends another. It used to be incitement had to do with motive, you had to in, or intent, you had to intend to do something. But today, if you simply say something that offends another, if the statement does not comport with queer theory or intersectionality or disability or fat studies, then you are now guilty of incitement. Maybe that's not quite the legal definition yet, but that's the area they're coming. And, and all of this really comes from the denial of the primary value that Christianity has brought to the world, even to those who are not in the faith. Right? It's the value and importance of the individual based on the simple fact that we are all made in the image of God. And, and many Christians actually miss this. They look at the world around them and just kind of think like this is the way it's always been, but it hasn't. The world didn't used to look like this, and it certainly hasn't looked like in the far past as it has over, let's say, the last 800 years or so in the West since the Magna Carta came into existence. And and that's because this concept of inalienable rights or individual liberties just simply did not exist outside of ancient Israel until Christianity spread across the world for the simple reason that people being made in the image of God changed the way we and the world looked at people. So instead of how it looks today in many instances, many places, the entire world used to look like, well, let's say Mogadishu, Tiananmen Square, Cambodia, the Soviet gulags, and unfortunately, we might throw in there places like Portland, Minneapolis, Rochester, and Kenosha. So four years ago, when I wrote in Ted Cruz on my presidential ballot, I did so because I wasn't sure that Donald Trump would do anything about the situation that we are in. I just wasn't sure that I believed him, that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. At best, I thought that he'd wind up maybe like a squishy moderate like Mitt Romney. At worst, I thought he might wind up actually worse than Hillary because of all his many years of liberalism catching up to him. But then the most amazing thing happened. I was wrong. Now, not that I'm not wrong a lot. That's not the amazing part. The amazing thing here is how I was wrong. Beyond my wildest imaginations, Donald Trump became the only major national political figure to stand up not only against the left, but against the Republican establishment since Ronald Reagan. And I never saw it coming. So this is the point that I really want to put across to the Christians and the conservatives who are listening to me. I get the fact that Donald Trump is not a principled, small government conservative. He's just not. We can see government spending has continued to spiral out of control since he took office. Now, He's not totally responsible for that. He didn't start it, and Republicans in Congress have every bit as much to blame there, if not more. And I get that he doesn't always share our conservative values, 
Uh, He's not too long ago embraced the moniker as being the most pro-gay president in history. But here's what I think he is. I think he is the man that God has given us at this vital time in our history to stand up against the salt of God in our culture. And in fact, in some ways and in some places, he's doing better than the church is. Not the entire church, but many portions of the church. Because at the time when too many denominations have fallen for the lies of social justice and white privilege and sexual fluidity and administrative state advocates, President Trump is pushing back in in some very important ways. Ways that are important, I think, to America. For instance, exposing Russiagate is one of those ways. He has made significant strides towards deregulating the economy. He's fighting against the left's efforts to import, legally or illegally, Democratic voters. He's fighting against voter fraud, against abortion. On many issues that are important to conservatives and Christians, the key point is that he is fighting. And and we can't forget that. He's fighting against the raging nations of Psalm 2 that are plotting against the Lord and his anointed. Now, he may not know that specifically, and we know that they are plotting in vain, but yet in their folly, they are causing great harm. He's not doing it perfectly. He's not doing it like I would like him to, but President Trump is doing it, and he's having some success. And if you think about it, really it's his success that has led the left into really upping the level of violence and radicalism. I have no doubt that if one of the moderate Republicans had become president, although, to be honest, none of them would have beaten Hillary, we'd still be seeing some of this. But I don't think it would be at the level we are seeing it because those people, the moderate Republicans, would be cooperating with much of what is going on with the left. And so it's really important for us to understand what we're up against here. The world hates God. And much of that hate, though not certainly all, has become institutionalized in the American left. It's not the only place that it occurs. Conservatives can hate God too, but we're seeing a lot of it in the American left. We see it in public education, higher education, local, state, and federal governments, the courts, Hollywood, the media. All of those areas have been captured to one degree or another by this hatred. So what we are seeing today is their attempt to complete the takeover so that every American institution that matters, including the church, is dedicated to eradicating God from any meaningful place in society. Looking forward to November, we need to see clearly that they are doing everything they can to make this happen by fraudulently winning the elections. I just read yesterday an article in the Washington Post by Rosa Brooks, who is a law professor, at Georgetown University and co-founder of the Transition Integrity Project. It blows my mind to read this kind of things, and it should blow yours. Even when you just take a casual look at it, you can see that this Transition Integrity Project is actually designed to ensure that no matter what the outcome of the vote for president is, that Joe Biden will be sitting in the Oval Office in January. Of course, You know, all the mail-in ballot voter fraud efforts are designed to ensure that Biden wins outright. But if they can't accomplish that, and it's looking a lot more difficult for them to do that as the public reacts to all the 
violence and mayhem that the left is causing. They are preparing us all for weeks or months of uncertainty while they harvest enough fake ballots to undo the outcome that we see on election night. And they're doing it by telling us that Trump and the conservatives are going to be responsible for all the violence that erupts post-election. It's just like these people can't help themselves. Everything they do, they blame Republicans for. Russian interference in the 2016 election, paid for by Hillary Clinton in the DNC, well, Trump did it. Hollywood's degradation of women, well, let's blame the Christian and conservatives for that. And the same is true with violence. I mean, we've already heard a sitting United States senator claim that Trump is deliberately killing people. Determined to do its part in all this, the Transition Integrity Project brought in a bunch of never-Trump hacks like former Republican National Committee Chairman Michael Steele, Bill Kristol, etc., to face off against John Podesta, Donna Brazile, and others in a wargaming exercise to see just how far Trump and Republicans could go in their desperate and, of course, illegitimate attempts to hang on to power. Here's just one piece from the article that, that explains this. In each scenario, Team Trump, the players assigned to simulate the Trump campaign and its elected and appointed allies, was ruthless and unconstrained right out of the gate. In one exercise, for instance, Team Trump's repeated allegations of fraudulent mail-in ballots led National Guard troops to destroy thousands of ballots in Democrat-leaning zip codes to applause on social media from Trump supporters. Over and over again, she writes, Team Biden urged calm, national unity, and a fair vote count, while Team Trump issued barely disguised calls for violence and intimidation against ballot-counting officials and Biden electors. It's so clear and so transparent to see what these people are doing. They know what's coming. They know they can't control the left, the far-left violent protesters, and it's pretty clear they don't want to. So what they're going to do is going to do what they've continued to do for four years now, is blame the disruptions and the violence and everything you can think of that the public doesn't like on Trump and Republicans in an attempt to essentially steal the election from the citizens. And that's an important thing to to note here. A lot of these attacks are aimed at Trump, but it's only because Trump is fighting against these people and really, in a lot of ways, fighting for us. He's defending himself, true, but he's also defending us in that process. This is what they're trying to do, and, and it gets worse in this article, but the, the whole point of all this effort is to desensitize the public and lay blame for what is coming on Trump, Republicans, and conservatives. So if, if you thought that Russiagate was a coup attempt, and by the way it was, you really ain't seen nothing yet. And so this is what we as Christians and conservatives are facing this fall. Yet we can't forget that we are also facing a good God who will not let his enemies succeed. Now, we may have to wait for the long run for that. The Bible is full of examples of bad guys who won in the short term. But it could be, it just might be, that God will not allow his enemies to succeed this fall either. We don't know if that's the case, but it's something we can look forward to and pray to God about. But here's what I do know. 
I do know that Donald Trump is not your typical squishy rhino Republican. He, he stands up and he fights, not always eloquently and not always displaying Christian virtue. I get that. But as he fights and he wins, we have to remember that he's often defeating the plots and plotters that are anathema to God. Of course, we as Christians know and have to remember that ultimately God's victory over his enemies will come through the church's faithful worship and preaching, carrying out the great commission to make disciples of all nations by the power of God's word, Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that God won't use our political institutions that he created to bring us victories and bring him victories as well. So while I certainly believe there is still room in the Christian and conservative conscience to not vote for Trump, though I would say there's no room to vote for Joe Biden. It just can't be done. I encourage all of you listening to join me in meditating and praying over these verses from 2 Corinthians 4. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the underbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Unbelievers, many of whom are our political opponents, are blinded to the truths of this world. But we as believers are not. It doesn't mean we're always going to get it right. But I hope as you meditate and pray on these passages that your conscience will lead you by God's will to joining me in voting for Donald Trump as President of the United States of America. I really want to say thanks again to the Texas Scorecard and Scorecard Media for sponsoring the Liberty Cafe. I look forward to a fruitful partnership. And I also want to thank all of you today who joined me on the Liberty Cafe.